This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, Jerry Mace, the Kicking Lawyer, here for another Law Talk. This one is pre-recorded, so it'll be a surprise uh, when it comes out for, for me and you, I guess, the viewer. I want to remind you, if you haven't already, to follow us across social media and podcast platforms. You can follow us on uh, follow, like, subscribe, share on any podcast platform or social media play, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, etc. Also, we're on TikTok. Uh, Josh is going to do dances one of these days. The uh, Also, we want to thank Michelle Allen. She's a longtime sponsor of the podcast. Uh, she donated uh, uh, our lovely mic stands that we have that are all fancy. And she's your go-to realtor in the area if you're buying, selling, renting real estate. If you want to become a kicking lawyer, just visit Mason's High Octane Martial Arts, located here in Covington since 1993. Be glad to have you. You go to masonsmartialarts.com. And, of course, the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar opens at 4 o'clock every day. Trivia on Tuesdays, live music on Fridays, great food and entertainment all the time. And that's located just off the square in Covington. And if you need any help with your online branding, uh, digital presence, Masonite Digital Marketing is glad to assist you. Josh is there for you. I, I may not sound quite as peppy today because I'm not a morning person and this is early for me. Uh, but I am joined. I am excited to talk to uh, our guest today because Mr. William Russell is an artist and seems to do, looks to me from yesterday, at least a lot of comic stuff. And we were just talking about how Superman is the best superhero, and I'm a big Superman fan. So, how you doing, sir? I am doing good, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks man. for coming, man. Thanks. So, so, we're in the middle of the convention. People will probably figure that out, the Covington Comic Con. This is going to be a couple weeks after it, but uh, we didn't want to waste the opportunity to speak to people like you that are so talented and so uh, nice that they would come travel to, you know, to meet the people of Covington and share what you do. So tell us what you do and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I am a published cover artist. Um, I do uh, retailer exclusives and stuff uh, for Image Comics, Dynamite. I've done tons of indie projects. Uh, last year alone, I had about 30 published covers. Um, I do travel the Comic-Con uh, circuit um, pretty much all over from Grand Island, Nebraska, down to Texas, over to Florida. And, you know, I've got to go to Baltimore, Maryland in a few weeks. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I definitely wanted to do more cons in Tennessee. I, I was born in uh, North Mississippi and uh, I spent a lot of my time around Memphis and things like that. And, um, and I, I've known Covington. I've been out here a bunch of times when I used to do my insurance world uh, prior to becoming an artist. So when uh, when I saw you guys were doing a Comic Con here, I, I was I was booked somewhere else last year when I I think when I first saw it, mm -hmm. and uh, but uh, this one uh, Josh and him caught me uh, like like right when I was doing some bookings and stuff and and told me about it after I sent him a PM, so I, I definitely wanted to come out and do it and and you guys put on one heck of a good show yesterday, um, the following you guys have here seems to be a really good up and coming event center. Um, like I said, I, with all the cons I've done and stuff like that, you guys had a great crowd for a Saturday and especially as a new con last mm -hmm. year, I think was y'all's first year, but, uh, but yeah, I've had a blast with it, man. But like I said, I've been doing, uh, comic covers for about four and a half years now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's my full-time 
uh, profession. And, um, you know, we, we just dropped my own creator-owned comic last month, Psycho Sal. So that has done extremely well in, in the indie market. Uh, issue number two for that goes into Kickstarter next month. So it's been crazy so far. Really, really wild ride. So you, when you, 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 I saw your stuff yesterday. And you've got a lot of uh, across the genre on comic book stuff yeah. and horror and lots of different stuff. And it was very good. I briefly came by, and I came by once. Uh, and you probably didn't recognize me because, you know, it was this off-brand superhero budget Batman. Uh, but then I did, I'm, I'm going to try today to have a little more time to actually look at some of your stuff. Because like I was saying, if you look in the office, what I do is everywhere we go, my wife and I, she knows my, uh, we, we travel a lot for various things, whether it's lawyer training or whatever. And we're at, we own a martial arts school too, so we go around and do martial arts competitions. And so what I always do as I'm getting there is I'm looking up the comic book stores. Yeah or comic book stuff or whatever, and I like to go look. And then if I can find independent artists somewhere, like I especially like finding, uh, like in Vegas, they'll have them on the street, and there'll be guys, super talented guys out there, just on the street doing uh, sketches yep. and stuff. So I like that original stuff. And then at every convention we do, I always try to get some commissioned or uh, whatever. And, I, you know, I think especially now, what a lot of businesses, and we'll get, we'll get your contact stuff up here too for folks, but people around here, um, a lot of them copy me, which is great on my marketing. I do a lot of marketing stuff, right? So a couple years ago, I did a comic book, the Kickin' Lawyer comic book. There's a cover hanging right there. And there was a local guy artist that we had. Well, there's a, now another guy that, uh, that's the second printing. There's now another guy that uh, um, does, uh, he does this generational wealth stuff, Rod Hickman, I'll give him a shout out. And he's got his comic book. And so we're gonna do like a crossover thing. But my point is, I think a lot of businesses miss opportunities. This pop culture stuff, is multifaceted and so if they get someone like you that's very talented and can help them create something like that for businesses that might not even care about comic books yeah. or that kind of stuff it crosses generational boundaries and it's something that's all that's very unique and memorable as a marketing tool my point is if anybody's watching on these business people around here that follow me on business stuff you know these are i'm using this for twofold one it's branding mm -hmm. everybody that gets it's got my brand on it it also teaches kids a life skill, mine does, because I have the martial arts stuff, so right. it teaches that. Uh, but then it's got ads in it. So, like, if you look on the back, it's got my, um, that's my law firm. Right. And then inside, it's got my martial arts school uh, right there. Yeah. So, everybody sees it. So, those are opportunities, too, that I don't even know if you've thought about. That even if you do just the covers to hang up for yeah. people, you know, that's sketched out as an original of them as some kind of superhero. Yeah, it's I've a good done, spin I've on done it. a few in the past. I, I mean, I've done, uh, you know, uh, logo designs and things like that for some people. Um, and it is it's a great tool, especially the comic part of it. If you, if you decide to if someone takes what what they do for a living and they they, you know, hire a writer or they write it themselves or whatever and they turn it into a comic, I mean, it, you're 100% right. It's a great advertisement mm -hmm. tool, especially if you do it, um, you know, that it's more of a kid-friendly style book, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, with them reading it and getting into comics, I mean, you're you're also, you know, getting kids to actually read, uh, which is a great thing to do. You're also getting young people into art and comics and stuff, which is another great thing to do. I think a lot of parents today are too concerned with, I'm tired, so here's my phone, go play with it mentality. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that's a great tool to kind of give them that. But like you said, it, it is something that will allow 
you know, as the kids are sitting there reading it or something, a parent picks it up. They see your advertisements. It could be something they actually read and, mm -hmm. and get a kick out of. And um, and then, of course, you can put multiple types of, of, of advertisement in the back and stuff like that, too. I mean, even when we did Psycho Sal for Kickstarter, um, you know, there was a couple of tiers in there where uh, people could purchase advertisement pages to put their business in my book. Yeah. And those sold out immediately. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is a great marketing tool. Yeah. Uh, 100%. More, more businesses really need to give consideration to it. Now, I get that your business now is that you're an artist for comic books and that type of stuff, but were you a big comic fan, like, growing up, or, like, like what what was your interest in that world when you were younger? Um, yeah, I was I was definitely into comics as a kid, um, Uncanny X-Men and stuff like that. So you Marvel guy? Yeah, I, I was, and for, oddly enough, it's really strange, like, um, when I was a kid growing up, and I don't know whether it's just the access of it, uh, I, I grew up really poor, and and lived with my grandparents and stuff like that. And so our limitation of comics was what might be at the local drugstore yeah. when I was growing up in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I collected comics heavily. I did it all the way through adulthood till I was probably in my 30s. Um, then I got busy with life and got busy with work and things like that. And I actually quit collecting for a long time. Um, and about, I don't know, about 15 years ago, I actually sold my entire collection. Uh, just wasn't messing with it anymore. Um, and then uh, about six years ago when I decided to become a comic uh, artist and I started getting into that world, I started buying again, you mm -hmm. know, uh, mostly slab books, Hulk 181s, yeah, you know, yeah. ASM 300s. You want to sell Hulk 181? It's already gone. Oh, okay. Oh, that one broke my heart. I tried to buy it yesterday at I, the Marvin's. I, I had a 6.5 slabbed uh -huh. blue label, uh, Hulk 181. Uh, when I sold it, it was about a $3,000 book value at that, that uh, grade. I sold it for like 2800 to a friend. It wasn't 11 months later that book spiked to eight grand. Man. That broke my heart. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Spiked that hard that quick, and now that grade's like a $12,000 Yeah, book. no, I've been watching that one for like two years. Yeah, it's and definitely I should have bought it. I had a chance to buy it in, I think it was in Orlando a couple years ago, and I just could It was so much money at yeah, the time. But now it's worth so much more. But yep. the problem for me, because this is what I was going to ask you, because I'm a big collector, right? Yeah. And uh, of a lot of stuff, like uh, the table across from you on the far side, the Star Wars, the kid that was over there yeah. doing the Star that's my personal Star Wars collection. Oh, okay. And it's so, they're all shocked. My family's shocked because I've, would you would never think I would sell it. I'm a collector. I don't yeah. sell the stuff. And so I was like, man, I need to make room. My wife's upset. I got all this. Because I got 30,000 <laughs> comic books yeah. uh, in our attic and house and all over. And I was like, you know what? The Star Wars is probably lowest on the line. Let's get rid of it. Oh, so that was first appearance Wolverine? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now, we yep. know what we're talking about, Josh. Clearly, you're not as nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is the... Yeah, I had, I had to look it up. I didn't know. That uh, is the first full Yeah, correct. Because actually, 180, which I have, a cameo. it's got him in the very back of it. Yeah. Creeping now, around. you... In, in that, that one, that one's a real raw one for the collector industry because anyone who knows how first appearances work in the Marvel Universe... Um, you know, in order for a book to be a first full appearance, it has to be a full shot of the full body. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, he has to interact with the story that's happening. So that's what throws a lot of people off because at the very last page of uh, 180, there's a full shot of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to claim that's, that's a first, first full appearance, yeah. but it's not because he didn't actually interact with the story. So there are rules to the, sure. to the game, but Nine times out of ten, the ones that are making that argument is people who own a Hulk 180, but yes, don't I own, own a Hulk 180. I, I own a Hulk 180. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what I was going to ask you though is, you sold your collection 15 yeah. years ago. Do you regret it? Um, not, not really. Um, 
and, and well, part of me do uh, does, I guess, because uh, I mean, it was something that I could have, you know, passed on to my daughters or something like that. Um, you know, out of the stuff I was collecting, it was mostly, you know, Uncanny X Men, uh, some of Marvel. Uh, like I said, big, big Uncanny X Men fan as a kid, and now for some reason, I'm a big Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that changed for some weird reason, but it did. And so I don't, I don't necessarily regret getting rid of it other than the aspect of, you know, maybe giving it to my daughter or something like that. Shelby's a, a big comic fan too, a huge flash fan. My and, son's a huge flash. Fan. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh she loves flash. Um, and, and, you know, but now when I got rid of all my slabs a few years ago, cause I, I probably had 60 slabs and they were, most of them were yellow label signed books. Mm-hmm. And like I said, ASM 129s, Hulk 181s, mm-hmm. uh, ASM 300s, stuff like that, that I regret getting rid of. Now, yeah. Because yeah. if, if it was 15 years ago, it was probably before the biggest, this big spike with Marvel books. Well, no, the, the, the ones, the slabs, I just, I bought in the last four years. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they're continuing to go up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Marvel, if anything, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has helped at least key issues yeah. gain value in the yeah. in Marvel. And I mean, it does have that. You can tell how it works, and that's why I don't get too excited about movie first appearances because they do spike books, mm-hmm. but after about six months after the movie comes out, they drop down. Now, they don't drop down to what they originally were, but they mm-hmm. do drop down enough. I mean, that's like first appearance of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that book. And prior to the movie, eh, you know, $150, $200 book, raw. Mm-hmm. Then once the movie got announced, that $200 book spiked to an $800 book raw. Mm-hmm. And then about six months after the movie came out, it kind of dropped back down to around 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I think, you know, even at this point, I think you can still get that book for a really respectable price. Yeah. He That's, had, he had a uh, uh, new mutants 98 yesterday. The Marvin's guy yeah. did. Cause I went over there and looked. he's got a whole bunch of slab. When he was, when he's saying slab, uh, a lot of the people don't know comic book jargon. He's talking about when they're graded, there are two main companies, CGC, which is, had some controversy recently that grades them. And then the other, what's the other one? C- CVCS. Yeah, CVCS. Yeah. And they, what you do is you send the comic book off to them, and then these are supposed to be like uh, judges, basically, that go in and grade the comic book based on this 0 to 10 scale. <clears throat> so the higher the grading, the more valuable the comic book is. And so a lot of times when you go to buy a comic book, especially a key issue, uh, collectors look at if it was slabbed, graded, or ungraded, and a graded book is more valuable because it's been reviewed. Yeah, there's no arguing it. Mm-hmm. There's no opinions because grading, really and truly, grading of a book. So like, like even with this is what's considered raw, mm-hmm. right? So I can sit and look at this book, and I can come up with a grade on it of what I think it, it should be graded as. You can look at the exact same book, and you're going to come up with a different grade. Mm-hmm. So when you do, and that's why I was buying slabs instead of raw, because sadly. Just like used cars, everyone upsells what they think they have. Yeah. So I was buying raw books, and someone was claiming the quality of them were, you know, you know, nine O's or eight point fives, and then I would get the book in, and even with my knowledge of of what, you know, you're looking for on graded books, the books would be like six fives. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a huge difference from opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm fine with a half a point off or even a full point off, but once it's like that three, four points difference, now you're just straight up lying to me. Um, and uh, so that's why I switched and I started buying nothing but graded books because it takes all of that opinion out of it. Mm-hmm. CGC, who is CGC and CVCS, are the staple mm-hmm. of uh, you know graded books. That's who we trust to do the right thing, give the right grades, not show favoritism to certain retailers. 
uh, that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, but like I said, then you know what the book is worth. There, again, there's no arguing it. No, no, this is a 6-5. This mm-hmm. is a 7-0, and this is what it's worth. So it does make it easier in that aspect if you don't want to wor- worry about someone being too off on their opinions when you're buying the books. Mm-hmm. So what we were talking about before it started on the superheroes, and you hinted at it a minute ago, how you got into Batman. Why do you feel like you transitioned to Batman? What's your interest in Batman now? Um, I, I mean, I've always been a horror fan, mm-hmm. and the creepy kind of stuff has always been my thing. And I guess Batman kind of fits a little bit more into that than mm-hmm. some of the like the mutant stuff with X-Men or whatever. I always loved – well, I, I mean, I also love the fact that other than – the the insane training and the the, the money he's an he is an average guy mm-hmm. uh, well not average guy but he you know he's a regular guy no superpowers um, just an extreme passion and a high IQ and tons of training and money uh, you know so all I got to do is win you know billion dollars and I'll be set but it's I don't know I love the villain's row because mm-hmm. um, I like Batman but I love the villain's mm-hmm. row of the Batman characters in the DC universe. I mean, Scarecrow, Solemn Grundy, and, you know, which Solemn Grundy is just kind of like a comic version of Frankenstein almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what kind of changed into it. And, and some of the best stories I've ever read, uh, or, uh, read were from that also, The Long Halloween, mm-hmm. Hush. I mean, those are some of the best the dark, I, I like the I've Dark Knight stuff too. Yes, yes. Um, I thought Frank Miller did a good job with that. The, when I was a kid, that his art actually scared me. <laughs> My father got me a uh, in eighty oh five eighty six in Millington, just up the road here. They used to have a, it was, it's a big navy place now, but it was even bigger in the eighties, and um, uh, they had a comic book store. Anyway. He went down there, and I was big into comic. And that was a connection my father and I had. He liked Superman. I liked Superman. And I got into Batman there for a while, when the 80, especially around 89 when the movie came out. Anyway, so my dad goes when that Dark Knight Returns first came out and got a signed, numbered, hardcover edition nice. that I still have. Uh, now, as a kid, I went through it a lot and looked at it, and so the pages are it's not in great shape, but you know, right. I would get rid of it anyway. But what I was getting at is, as a kid, I can remember that book scared me some. And uh, uh, I remember the the battle between Superman and Batman, and you know that he was putting a whooping on Superman, and, and that was just scary to me that this guy <laughs> could do that, you know. So I went through a Batman phase, but you know I was telling Jeffrey Nobleman this. Uh, I might have been telling him that yesterday. So the guy you're on the panel with, so Jeffrey Nobleman, yeah. he was an animator for the anim- Batman animated series. I've had him on. I had him on last year during the Comic Con, and we got in this discussion over Batman versus Superman. And um, my reasoning on why I'm a Superman guy, I think, is different than most people. But I always find it interesting how people... It's almost like you're one or the other a lot of times yeah. on the Batman-Superman thing. Yeah. So uh, I, I, find that, I find that very, very interesting. I, what I was going to say is one of the reasons I switched to being mostly all Superman is I had a little girl I was dating that... Uh, I say cheated. She was like in second grade, third grade, <laughs> who started liking this other guy that was like he, he said he's Batman all the time, uh, Batman shirts. And I was like, oh, I can't be with I can't be Batman anymore. You know, you know? that's the normal thing. Got to go with the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The dark and mysterious. Yeah, that is a, what Nodelman said. That was interesting. He said that uh, Superman to him was not an interesting character arc because he's it's very black and white with Superman. Yeah. You know, he's the good guy. He's going to do these things. And the only way to hurt him is maybe hurt the people around him. Yeah. <clears throat> just, he didn't find the stories interesting. Whereas, yeah. you're right, I think Batman does have some really good... Uh, it's almost like, uh, 
what do you call it that detective noir or whatever uh, yeah uh, type type stuff yeah it's more like a lot of if you read a lot of the older ones it's more of a mystery style mm -hmm. like you said a detective style book and, and that's what i loved about the you know the newest batman movie i, I was just fixing to ask what you think of yeah the new movie. I, I absolutely loved it i know a lot of people these you know a lot of fanboys are crying a river about it uh, but I mean, I'm a big believer that yeah, if you really want to go to these movies, you gotta, you really do have to lock that inner fanboy up mm -hmm. and watch it with some fresh eyes. And for it being a year one, and I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought, I thought the kid or the guy, not a kid anymore, but I thought he did a great job in it. I love the fact that they portrayed him as still angry, mm -hmm. um, and and I loved the detective aspect of it. They went back to the roots of what Batman was. And and I do agree with you like on the Superman thing. I, I think I think when you create someone that powerful and and there there's 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 not a whole lot you can do with it mm -hmm. because he's going to behave a certain way and he can't really cross those lines because he does if he does where does he stop? Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought that was a really great take, like on um, the uh, the video game thing with the way uh, what was the name of it? I'm sorry. Um, Wow, we're we're the Arkham Knight. Uh, no, no, or? I'm sorry. Um, the one where uh, Lo, uh, the Joker killed Lois and um, and Superman kind of went crazy. Um, the was that oh injustice injustice, injustice. Thank, injustice. You, thank you thank you yes. So I love I loved that storyline, mm -hmm. seeing Superman just finally being pushed, and and that that really got interesting to me to see in how this was going to play out. So I I really enjoyed it when they pushed the limits with him. And, and that's one of the great things I think about Batman is and why a lot of people tend to love him is is it is someone they can kind of, you know, be similar to in a way. But it's one of those things where you kind of don't know what he might do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also the interesting thing to it. And that's what I liked about the new movie also going back to that is when you're watching that, he's still he's so angry and it's still year one and he's raw. And you don't really know exactly how far is too far that he's going to go. So I, I really did. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Well, the, when I watched it in the theaters, I did not like lock up my inner fanboy, and I didn't like it. Yeah, I, <laughs> but I'll I be watched honest, it. I didn't either. <laughs> I watched it last weekend again, and sort of did what you said, and I liked it then. Yeah. Like the second round, uh, I put that aside, and I realized, I guess, what it was. I think the first time I was watching it for what I thought Batman mm -hmm. was, and the second time, uh, I thought that it was a good detective story. Yeah. So. Uh, I had a different view on it. I'm still not sold on Robert Patterson as uh, Bruce Wayne, really. I don't know. He's yeah. almost too small to me. Yeah. Um, I like, I tell you, well, we could ask, I asked this question too. My favorite Batman, shockingly, I would, you would like to say Michael Keaton because that sort of was by Batman growing right. up. But I really liked Ben Affleck as Batman. Ben Affleck was incredible. Yeah, I thought he looked um, the part. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, and, and that's it's, usually that's the way it goes with the Batman movies, with the actors. Either they make a really good Bruce Wayne or they make a pretty cool Batman, but they can't seem to do both. Yeah. I think Ben Affleck did both. Yeah. Um, I totally bought him as as you know the billionaire Bruce Wayne, and I completely bought him as the twenty years in mm -hmm. angry veteran, mad Batman. at everything yeah. because he's lost this and he's lost that. I absolutely loved him as Bruce Wayne yeah. and Batman. Um, I loved the costume. Good God, man, it was such a great costume. And and you know if you go back and you watch the extended version of like Batman v Superman, uh, it, it definitely flows better. It's, mm -hmm. it's better than the theatrical for sure. Um, not to mention the same thing with the other movies. I don't, I don't know why Warner brothers has this. They've got, they've had this weird mentality over the last 10 years. Like they still think 
comic book movies are a fad. Mm -hmm. This isn't the 90s anymore. You know, this isn't the 80s. It's not a, you know, a one movie every five or ten years. I mean, Marvel has 100% proven mm -hmm. that this is here to stay. That, you know, and because they have hit such a nerve with fandom that it's not just the actual comic people that are addicted to these things now. The full-blown public that's never read a comic in their yeah. life are filling theaters to watch these movies. Yeah, I think that Marvel, or I think DC was trying to catch up. Yeah. They just came to the game late. Well, they, and they they're were coming to, to the game with the, okay, guys, this is a fad. Let's throw out a movie real quick yeah. so we can get a piece of the pie. Well, and then the other mistake away. I think they made, Marvel, what I think they did well, is they took what worked in the comic books. They took a comic book and put made it into a movie yeah. instead of trying to change it into this different take on a comic book. Yeah. And so, you know, the Captain America movie, he was Captain America. You know, even Thor. I was really curious how they would do Thor. And I know it's getting uh, different reviews on this recent one, which I liked. I, I kind of like it, the campy Thor. But anyway, um, I thought they did a great job. I mean, he's an Asgardian god. Yeah. How are you going to spin that? You know, they, yeah. I thought they did. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, that oh, was like a D-list uh, comic book for yeah. a lot of folks, is one of the top-level ones. I mean, most of the people in comics don't even really no, know who no. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is or care two cents about it. Yeah. But now, I wasn't super fond of the second Guardians movie, but mm -hmm. that first one, yeah, incredible. And, and uh, you know, the first Thor movie I thought was really good. The second one, I didn't mind too much. It was okay. But Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok I've watched multiple heck. times. That, Such a great That movie. I think is one of the best in the Marvel universe. I think so, too. It's very good. What do you think of, uh, have you watched Sandman yet? Yes. Okay. I, I binge watched that whole thing on one day when I only meant to watch like two or three episodes. I figured you'd like it because you said you like the horror genre yeah. and it kind of fits into some of that. Yeah, and so. shockingly, I've actually never read Sandman. I've never so read Sandman. So now I'm going to go buy the books yeah. because the show did do a really great job on it. Preacher did that for me. I had not read the Preacher uh, books. Walking Dead too. Yeah. I watched it, liked it, started reading the comic books yeah. and the same thing with Preacher. Yeah, they've done they've done a lot of great shows. I mean, again, I know that not everything's going to be a home run, mm -hmm. and that's that's one thing I try to tell my fans and followers is when when it whether it's Marvel movies, DC movies, TV shows, it, you have to go watch this stuff and support it mm -hmm. because you want them to continue to make these things. Now, I understand that everything's not going to be great, and there's going to be things they're going to do that's going to upset you. But you've got to show the support because even if it's a character you have no interest in. I mean, it, like uh, Captain Marvel, I had no interest in going to watch that movie, especially after the snide comments and stuff she's mm -hmm. made about people um, and behavior. Um, but I still went to the theater to see it because I want to support the industry because that means the more they do, they'll eventually get to the ones I want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, 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 and it looks like uh, that, you know, small part is going to play out because – you know, even though I'm not a Fantastic Four fan, and I could live the rest of my life and never see another Fantastic Four movie, and I'd be a happy camper. But I do love some of the uh, the storylines from the Fantastic Four. They had some of the best. So now we've got a Fantastic Four movie that's supposed to be coming, which means I'll finally get to see Doctor Doom, hopefully, in the MCU done the right way. Mm -hmm. So you you got to you got to show the support. I mean, you you got to. We we're at a time to where Nerds rule. Yeah. 
I mean, we're 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 the cool kids now. I agree that another thing that we t- you you glanced on earlier that, that's considered nerdy but shouldn't. It's like you were talking about kids reading. Mm-hmm. So my kids and I think we're probably around the same age as we're talking. Um, I was, I was, I'm 43. Yeah, I'm 40. What, 45, 46? Oh, okay. so you're a little like older. So you, you look good. Yeah, I'm old. And I've got four kids. Uh, my yep. oldest is, and I'm so I'm excited because he just came in last Friday. He's in the Navy and he's here now for two weeks. So I've got my 20. What how old is he? 23, 23, 20, 23, 24 year old, 22 year old, 21 year old, and a 17 year old. And I had him over there. The boys were over there. Um, they, they get commission off what they sell on my Star Wars toys, so they're ah, all across okay. from me all over there doing that. But anyway, the older one that's in the Navy is a huge Flash fan uh-huh. since he's little. And, and I don't even remember why it became that way. I was they were I, I was a huge, just like now, comic fan and always wanted my kids to read. So like, And we didn't have a lot of money when they were growing up. So what I would do, though, is I would always get them books. Yeah. And so at night, they couldn't play video games or any of that, but they could stay up late as they wanted as long as they were reading. Oh, nice. So we have like literally a library in this like entry room in our house and they can read whatever. And I would, when they were little, little, I'd read to every, each one of them every night. Like nice. even if it was a different book, uh, you know, cause Jade would want a princess book or whatever. And my daughter, anyway, I'd go around each one and read for 10, 15 minutes to each one. Right. Of them. So they all read still. And, uh, which is great to see. I assume you're, I haven't met you officially, but I assume you're the daughter over here. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's Shelby. That's my oldest daughter. I'm in the same boat. I got four girls. So. Oh man. So I've only got one. I got one girl and three boys. <laughs> but I could imagine my daughter was the. I won't. I won't say that because she watches it occasionally. But anyway, so Alex though grew this had this affinity for Flash, and uh, he used to run around in a Flash outfit. And so growing up, he would get every year for Christmas, I gave him some kind of Flash doll. I still would have a subscription for the Flash comic books, so he's got them even though he may not know it. I keep them all for him. And even with now going into the Navy, I still do that. But, you know, you're talking about how we've got to support the movies and everything, and I just don't know why they can't get Flash right. Like, even Superman, Bat, you know, the DC, why can't they? It looked like they were about to, and then the uh, actor went off the rails. I disagree. (laughs) So let let me get get your take on this, and Shelby can chime in too. You got it, the Justice League, right? Uh Uh-huh. We were so excited we were finally going to have Flash. And I don't really care of the drama with outside of the movie with Ezra Miller or whatever. Yeah. But the way they even had him run. And I know they explained that it was he's running on the speed force sliding. But he looks, come on, man. Oh, just it, had the dude run. It was, it was it was so cringy. <laughs> um, and because they did, they, I mean, even if you go back to the 80s in the Flash show on yeah. TV, that running was better than what they did with I him. So. This whole weird flailing of his mm-hmm. arms thing, it was I don't know what they were thinking with that. And and now to be fair, like you go back and you watch the Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. Now it's better. They did tone it's it better, down a yeah. little. I don't know how they did it, but they did tone that down a little. Um uh, you know, so it is a little less cringy. It's not as it's not as noticeable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that 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 made my daughter so mad. <laughs> she was so angry. <laughs> I can't but, watch it. Yeah, so yeah. you watched the Snyder Cut? Mm-hmm. You didn't like it? Nope. I thought it was better. Because of him. Yep. I hate it. Yeah, that's what my son said. He was so disappointed that yeah. that, you know, the, the Grant, is it Gustin? Yeah, the, that's the yeah. one most people really he, love. It, that's a good, that show that was, was yeah, that, that did well. I thought that he did all right. Yeah. And I like that they brought in the dude from the 90s yep. show in. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, the Flash show, like, I, I used to watch it hardcore. I, I mean, I watched Arrow when it was on yeah, TV. Yeah, I did too, same yeah. thing. And then um, it kind of fell off well, for me. Well, for me, what happened, the same thing happened with Flash. I watched Flash until we're teen 30, 40 people Flash. Yeah. 
Once once you take a, a individual character and, and you've got his two or three support casts and then all of a sudden you turn it into a football field of people, it's no longer fun for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't and then the, the writing of the way they handled um, um, Iris that irked me tremendously. You, one minute you're high school or something, next minute you're serving coffee. Five minutes later, now you're a high end reporter in this news thing, and and now all of a sudden you didn't want anything to do with him until you found out he was Flash, which mm-hmm. kind of falls back to the life experiences. Of you didn't want nothing to do with me until you found out I have money. Mm-hmm. It, all that type of writing just irked me really bad because um, it takes away from what the character is. Because in the comics, the the Iris and Flash relationships is an incredibly good relationship yeah. it, it is none of that oh i'm just here because you're wearing the red suit mm-hmm. none of that bs and uh but like i said once you overpopulate it, it it gets really dull for me it's it's too much you're trying to put into these things and um you know and they did the same thing with arrow i i really enjoyed that show until the cast just became Way too much. Yeah, I think another thing they did is they, I don't know that they intentionally did this, but this is the correlation I make. In the 80s, I can remember, uh, 80s, early 90s, they, the comic books would do a lot of crossover stuff amongst books. And the problem for me as a kid, because I did the same thing you did. Every day, my mama would give me $2 for lunch, okay, if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. And I would have, uh, I think it was, a, it was $2 or $1.80 something. Anyway, I had like 90 cents left over every day. And we would go by this corner store up here, just around from where we're doing the Comic Con, right? It was a, a Roper's grocery store, and it had a turnstile, get your comic books. Yep. She'd let me run in there, and I'd get one comic book, right? And it was almost every day, every other day or so. And that's literally how I developed my collection. So the problem was, I read these, and then when they do these crossovers, now i got to find this other book to get this piece of the story. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point, I, I didn't like the crossovers like yeah. that. I know what they did them for. They did them for sales and introduced the other character. I get it. Yeah. But I think that the DC TV shows were trying to do something similar. You got to go watch this one, get this piece, and what. And then I just started, I just stopped. Not necessarily didn't like the stories or law. I just, it was oh, too I confusing. Have a, I have to keep a little fear with. that the MCU may be heading that direction with all the Disney Plus shows and it's, it's starting well, but to become almost too much. I don't content. disagree, but the only difference is it's easily accessible right now. Yeah. You know, like, I, and I guess arguably you could do that with most of the DC because I'm on HBO yeah. Go, so yeah. I watch the shows. That yeah, it's there. definitely a different ballgame being the TV stuff because we have such easy access to mm-hmm. the different uh, platforms and everything. But but I do I do agree with him. I, I, think, I think Marvel might be looking at it too much about, oh, how much money can we milk out of this? And, I mean, I understand your well, business. Well, it's really Disney now. Right, that's right. So you, you know Disney. what's coming, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of princess crossovers. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, I, I mean, I understand your job is to make money. And, and um, you know, but I, I do, I, f- I feel the same way. I think they're kind of throwing a little bit too much out, mm. and it's kind of flooding the market. And when you do that, uh, you do kind of, kind of push people away to a degree um people kind of get bored with it mm-hmm. um because if you when you start trying to force everything that's when you end up with weak writing uh, weak character does uh you know development you end up with uh, weak casting mm-hmm. um you know i think they should stick to just a couple of key things like i think the loki spinoff was a good idea mm-hmm. even though i am so burnt out on companies trying to turn what's technically bad guys into good guys just because the crowd likes them yeah I really hate that. I hate the way they did it in the X-Men movies with, with uh, 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 Mystique. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hate the way they've kind of done it with Loki. Loki's meant to be 
mischievous and 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 just devilish all the time, mm-hmm. and and anything he's doing, it's for an end result for him. Yeah. So I, I and 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 you can still do that, and it still be a crowd favorite. You don't have to kind of turn them into the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think they should stick to just some key characters, uh, you know, and and not just completely look at it as how much money can we milk out of this extra stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but. Well, so on you you said talking about uh, storylines and whatnot and things that influence you and how these other companies do their development and you've developed your own book though yeah so tell me about that um, well Cycle Sal is uh, about a serial killer in New Orleans during the 1980s and uh, obviously being an 80s baby it's one of my favorite generations mm-hmm. whether it be movies music comics they were some of the best uh, things that came out of the 80s uh, as far as I think. Um, but the way we, the, the, what makes Psycho Sal really interesting is the way it's being written and the way we're handling the, the, the killer. Um, normally, in the normal scenarios with serial killers, um, they, they all fit a certain mentality and, and uh, profile of how they kill, who they kill, things like that. Um, with Psycho Sal, we, we, we threw all that out the window. So not only is Psycho Sal killing any type of person, uh, no matter their backgrounds or, 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 or color or sex or anything like that, every single murder is a different type of murder. And the only reason that they even know it's a serial killer is just because of a painting that he leaves at every one of the crime scenes, which is a recreation of the murder scene. Uh, he leaves that in a voodoo card. And um, the other thing that is going to make the book incredibly different than anything that's out there. And so far on number one, it was a huge hit on Kickstarter, uh, which uh, we did about almost $7,000 on Kickstarter. And that's huge for a brand new comic, also in a smaller niche market of horror thriller Mm -hmm. type department. Um, So that's big in itself. But we also did that off of $7, $6 books mm-hmm. um now normal kickstarters when they do their books they're 30 dollars covers 40 dollars covers etc because we always have four or five guest artists that do uh, covers with us also but they'll they'll charge 40 and 50 dollars sometimes 30 and you know 30 dollars and up for these books we did it off six dollars and uh, you know eight dollar books and the reason we did that is we wanted the kickstart itself to be affordable for everyone mm-hmm. Um, so people could try the book that may have never read horror and feel like they haven't spent a lot of money to try it if they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to do $7,000 Kickstarter off of those small numbers uh, price-wise for the books was incredibly huge. So it did great for the Kickstarter. Um, and so far, all the feedback we've gotten on it has been incredibly good. Uh, but the other thing that's going to make it interesting and really set it apart is the first, it's a nine issue series on the first part. And the first three books are being written from the perspective of the two FBI agents working the murders. Then the next three books, uh, four, five, and six, will be written from the perspective of one of the victims. So you're gonna follow through her, her weeks and everything up to what happens. Uh, you're gonna see her go from this bubbly, happy you know, person to as she starts feeling more and more claustrophobic like someone's following her someone's watching her you know she comes home and finds things misplaced in her apartment then she thinks someone's been there and things like that so you see this decline because he's not someone that just takes you and does whatever i mean he really just mind messes with you the entire time until he takes you Mm -hmm. um and then the last three books will actually be written from the perspective of the killer 
So you're going to go through his mindset, how he sees the world, how he sees the victims, things like that. Um, and we're actually using three different writers for it, too. Um, because not only do we want you to know that it's a different perspective, mm -hmm. but when you read the wording, the, the, the entire uh, interaction with all the characters, mm -hmm. we want you to feel like it's a different person. And the way you do that is by changing writers. Yeah. So we're going to have three different writers on the books, too. And that is, like I said, it's so far. Uh, and remind me, I'll, I'll give you guys a copy of the book. Uh, I would love for you guys to read it. Give me some reviews on it, too. Um, we do appreciate honest reviews on it. But so far... We have not heard a bad review. Mm -hmm. so. Is that your preference is to do like the horror genre art or? Um, I mean, I, I love like like someone asked me that question, actually a similar question at the show yesterday on the panel. And I know this is going to sound cliche. And, and this was the answer I gave them. Like for me personally, if I'm drawing something for my own time, you know, what little free time I get, if I draw something, I usually want to draw something that's horror related, something that's creepy. Um, that's just, I grew up on, I mean, my first movie I ever saw was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been hooked on horror ever since. All four of my daughters are big horror fans. Mm -hmm. um, but um, when it comes to just art in general, uh, when it comes to commissions and things like that, it doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a preference. Um, you know, my most requested commissions are usually Venom. Or, or the bat who laughs uh, because everybody seems to really enjoy the way I draw those two characters because mm -hmm. it's it's those characters but it's a little bit more of a horror feel yeah. to them. Um, but it, it and like I said, this is gonna sound cliche, but it's it's whatever they come up and ask me because it's the end result. It's it's when they come back to pick up the piece and I see that reaction on mm -hmm. their face. Uh, that is that is one heck of a drug. Um, it is very addicting to see someone just be that excited over something you did for them. Yeah. Um, so that at that moment, that becomes the character I wanted to draw mm -hmm. because of that reaction I get from the fans. And I know that sounds so cliche or whatever, but uh, you know, or, or or whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. But it really is. It it's what they want is what becomes my favorite character for that moment. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, so how do people, if they want your book or to maybe get commissioned art or any of that, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm actually only two platforms. Um, I, I, I won't be on uh, TikTok or any of that other stuff. I read the user agreement, and nope, I will not be there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, but I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can find me, uh, Art of William Russell, on uh, on Facebook or just you know my name on there. I've got two of my personal uh, page and then I have the art group um, and you can use at Latimer12 so L-A-T-O-M-I-E-R 12 uh, you can use at Latimer12 on Instagram or Facebook and you can find me on either platform um, I do take commissions now my commissions only open up twice a year mm -hmm. um, uh, the commission list for the second half of the year is open at the moment I think I only have two spots left uh, that's my mail away commissions I always do pre-show commissions for cons so any con I go to about a week before that con I'll open up pre-shows and I only take about four or five spots because nine times out of ten I make cons by myself mm -hmm. so I am still in that mindset uh, where for me the fans are what matter, and I don't want to be sitting at a table with my face buried in work. Yeah, um, I think that is extremely rude. Um, so I'll only do like maybe three or four commissions a day at a con, uh, usually headshots only just so I can get them done and out of the way because I want to be able to, when fans walk up to my table, I, I stop what I'm doing, and I can sit and talk to them whether they need five minutes to talk or whether they need 20 minutes to talk. 
Um, I want them to get their money's worth because if it were not for the fans buying my stuff, coming to the show to see me, there's no show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of artists today lose sight of that uh, with this where's my limo from the hotel mentality. And they, as a matter of fact, I actually have a shirt that says, you should check your ego. You draw comics. You don't storm beaches. <laughs> um, I've worn that to a few cons. Yeah. Um, but, um, it, you know, I think someone, I think their heads get too big because I've personally walked up to, the, to some of the uh, artists' tables and, and barely got a high. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, I'm a type of person I would have bought from your table. You know, I collect art. Um, so I, I think I think artists need to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that the the whole convention thing is, is a, a, a trifecta where we need all three. Mm-hmm. You know, we need you guys doing comic cons. Mm-hmm. We need the f- fans coming to the show, but we also need the vendors, the artists, and creators that buy the tables that help make that show possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's one of those things when a fan walks up. I want to be able to stop what I'm doing and give them however much time they need to talk. Yeah. Because some, again, two or three minutes, ask a couple of questions and they're on their way. And then you got some people that they really want to stand there and interact and kind of get to know you a little. And I think they deserve it. Yeah. Well, I respect that. And I really appreciate you coming. I mean, you know, as you know, we discussed before we started, you know, we are on a, a budget if you call it that, with the Covington Comic Con. And uh, Covington is a little lucky in that it's me, Josh, and Tara because none of us are trying to break the bank on it. We're just really trying to build something that's – we want people to come to our community more. Mm -hmm. And we love this culture. We love this sort of a subculture, subgenre. And we want uh, people to get a taste of it. Like we were saying, they, you know, a lot of the people that have come locally, they didn't even know how these panel things work and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a learning curve. But it is growing. This year, I think, it was bigger than last year. Uh, of course, this is airing later, but it is Sunday. So we'll see uh, this afternoon how things go. But I think it'll be good. But, again, like Josh said in the beginning, we view you guys as the lifeblood of the comic convention. If you're not willing to go, or at least not willing to be understanding at these beginning level ones, yeah. you know, then uh, the, these fans will come, and they could become lifelong yeah. fans for conventions and yep. comics and whatnot. And if there's not people like you there, you know, and it is a comic convention, even though now they've evolved in all this other stuff. Yeah. So for me personally, when I first went, Josh was going for years. My very first one, Josh was setting up. He does independent movies and stuff, and he would go. And I kind of made fun of him. And uh, it was like, I won't dress up or any of that kind of stuff. And then it, closet, I'm a closet nerd or was. So anyway, I went and um, I was looking for comic books. And so the very first one we went to didn't really have a lot of comic books. probably uh, and then, uh, one of the early Memphis. But my point is, like, I went comic convention looking for comic books, yeah. you know, and then there weren't comic books at that one. Yeah. So I always want to make sure at ours it's a good mix. Yeah. We've got comic artists. We've got pop culture stuff. you got horror stuff. you got actors. you got all this different stuff. So... I think I think we did okay doing a decent mix of uh, stuff. Yeah, I think I think you guys had a great uh, a great setup. I mean, I love the fact that you guys did cosplay for the kids. I love the fact that you guys did cosplay for adults. Also, um, I, I I love the not to mention the attention you guys showed to everyone that was there. Because I can I promise you I've been to uh, tons of cons and we've never seen a guest uh, a not a guest I'm sorry a uh, volunteer walk by to see if we needed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they're supposed to be there for mm-hmm. is to go by, make sure anyone at the table doesn't need to go to the restroom because again, a lot of yeah, us are so they, we, we sort of had a meeting and training on that. And I'm glad you said that. And because I want to make sure the volunteers know we appreciate oh, them yes, too. They're you. not making any money. Nope. They were all there, man. There's one guy that volunteered. He'll be there today. He is a senior master chief, highest ranking enlisted guy in the Navy. 
And like, I didn't realize this till this week because my son who's in the Navy uh, was upset that I even spoke to this guy, right? But he's getting ready to retire. He's going to be in our community. And so he's just trying to make contacts and do things to help. And this guy yesterday was bringing pizza. He was changing the garbage. And I was even like, Chief, I'm calling him Chief now. I'm like, Chief, look, you've got, he's like, look, man, I make hard decisions all day, every week. He said, I'm glad to just go and, you know, tell me to do this and I'm just going to do it. And it's an yeah. easy day for me. But my point was like, we have great volunteers that helped and came around and checked on everybody. Yep. And uh, that, that's again, part of the lifeblood of the comic convention is we have people that are willing to help. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's something that I do. Um, like I, one of your volunteers, I can't remember the young lady's name, but she came by several times. Um, I, you know, I gave her one a signed print for free. And I always tell that if you guys have volunteers that are there and they're actually doing what volunteers are mm -hmm. supposed to be doing, feel free to send them by my table. I will give them a free signed print every single time. Well, we appreciate that, but we could also pay you for those. No, no, no. Get, I'm, Cause I'm you got to make money too. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I, I dude, I gave away prints yesterday to small kids and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's and like I said, man, it's, it's, I make my money. I'm fine. I'm, I'm not sweating that at all. Um, I enjoy seeing the reactions on people's faces. Cause again, you, you get some families, you know, I, I know what it's like to, you know, be a young family and, and have three or four kids yeah, and you go to a con and it. you really can't buy tons of stuff. Yeah. I trust me. I know that feeling well. And, and I'm not saying anybody's looking for handouts or anything. I don't mean it that way. This is me choosing to do. So if I see some kid that is just looking at you know something i can tell they're really attached to something they're seeing on my wall i give it to them it's not a big deal yeah yeah um but i try to do the same thing for volunteers too for like i said the volunteers that that will come by and check on us yeah because again it's sad to say that is extremely rare well we've done uh just and josh you don't let me go too long here because obviously I, we're yeah, very we like-minded and i'll talk all day to yeah him. we do probably need to wrap it up soon though, but uh i did want to say that so i have a history i've promoted a, a bunch of stuff i've promoted martial arts tournaments mma fights done those done a whole bunch for years promoted different events so we we have a lot of experience with where you need people strategically so like for example wayne eccles was a student of mine a martial arts student and that boy stood by this one door that we were trying to control people. We didn't want people to come in through. They had to go in through the one door. He literally just stood there the whole day. I kept coming around checking on him. He was like, I'm good. Finally, towards the end, he's like, my feet are hurting a little bit. I was like, we're going to rotate you out. But, I mean, that he, he served a great purpose. Yeah. It was very important because it controlled flow of people. Yep. And I uh, don't want to underrate that. Uh, and then we had four or five that we had run into the vendors and – Anyway, I won't keep on on them. But, and then the ticketing up front. My wife was there and had three or four people that helped that with the T-shirts and the ticketing. And it went a lot smoother, I think, than yeah. last year. So, anyway. Yeah, but It was great, man. But like it's, I, said, I, I, I hope you're on the circuit much more than me. Yeah. So, please tell other vendors that you had – I hope you had a good time. Oh, dude, and I we'll try to take care of them because we're going to try to do it every year. Yeah. I hope you guys do, man. Like I said, you guys did wonderful. I, I will definitely be back next year. Cool. Well, we, man, I enjoyed talking with you. We'll yeah, have to yeah. talk more. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And next time I'm in town, I'll be happy to come on. But, yeah, as far as the, the con in general, um, I think you guys did beautiful. Um, I really did. I, like I said, the especially the attention to the detail, checking with people, seeing if they needed anything. Uh, the fact your volunteers actually came around to see if we needed, uh, you know, anything at all. Um, that, that was in, incredibly well done. I yeah. mean, I think you guys did a beautiful, especially the promoting. Like uh, a lot of cons I've been to, they, they, they seem to forget that the, the people, vendors, artists, creators that are buying tables to be at said cons, they won't, you'd be surprised how many of them don't promote everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're not some well, super, superstar up here <laughs> at the very top, 
your name doesn't get mentioned on their social media. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you guys took time, you promoted uh, everyone that's coming to your show, uh, whether it's a guest or whether it's a, a you know a paid vendor uh, or a creator, um, that's that's a huge deal to us. Mm -hmm. I promise you, that's a huge deal. Um, and then the fact that you guys promoted con consistently like mm -hmm. constantly promoting stuff on Facebook and social media. That is so, so important. And sadly, there's a lot. So if you guys haven't done uh, Covington Comic Con, d definitely try to come out and do it next year. I promise you it's 100% worth it. The people are incredible. They're absolutely sweet. Uh, the the promoters and everything that put on the show. And, of course, I you know thank you guys for having me for the event and everything. But I will definitely be back next year. Cool. Thanks, man. We, we really appreciate it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we worked hard on it. And there's some some of those things you mentioned are kind of what we do in our other jobs. The like like we're marketing and branding and things like that. We we tend to be decent at. But uh, and we have multiple businesses that we run, and you just run it like a business. But you got to remember, you got to take care of the people. That's mm -hmm. very important. Well, anyway, William, I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks yeah, for you for coming out. You could have been on too. Could have talked about Flash. <laughs> uh, we'd still be here tomorrow if yeah. you got her on her rant about Flash. Oh my God, that upset. She was so mad in the theater. I took her to the theater to see that. That's movie. how my son was. She was, was angry. He, he was upset. You got to talk to Alex about it. He'll be yeah. there today. Yeah, there you go. Y'all yeah. can. Yeah, there's your bonding uh, yeah. comfort yeah. buddy for Flash. Y'all can start your own like support group and everything. Yeah, he was very frustrated. Well, uh, I've enjoyed talking with you, man. I mean, yep. you can be buddies uh, and talk about it all day. We, after the con today, I assume y'all are going back. But if not, we could always go to the cellar. I'll get you a beer. Um, actually, so. uh, yeah, sadly, we've got to head back as soon as the con's over. Yeah. Um, we've got to pick our son up, uh, my grandson. But we actually uh, went to the cellar last night. Okay. Holy Did you enjoy it? Man, yeah. dude, I, I've eaten in a lot of places across the the West Coast, and I mean, East Coast and everything. And that was without a doubt one of the best steaks I've had in a long time. Well, I appreciate time. you saying that. Now, that I do think we do the steaks really, good. really well. Oh, and it it's was. again, it's a little secret in this area that, I mean, people around here locally kind of know, but there's a lot, you know, and that's what I enjoy anytime you travel. If you can go, especially to small towns, there's a lot mm -hmm. of gems that are hidden that you may mm -hmm. not know. That's my favorite and one. So. I, tell, I tell my daughter all the time when I go. When I go to any city, the first thing I look for is those like hole in the wall, yeah. mom and pop kind of places or anything like that. I am not going to eat somewhere I can eat at home. Yeah. So that was that was an extremely, extremely good find. So. Cool. Well, appreciate all the support you guys coming out. And I thank everybody for watching. Uh, obviously, this is after the Covington Comic Con, but that's what we've been talking about. Obviously, next year we're going to have it, but you can go to the Facebook page and Instagram and follow us, uh, the Covington Comic Con. And, of course, go to William Russell's stuff from Facebook and Instagram. Give him a follow and check out his, uh, his stuff. And like I said, if you're a business, reach out. I mean, he can do some commissions for you, things like that, that are good promotional stuff. Josh is running through our lower thirds there. You can like follow uh, uh, follow us on across social media and podcast platforms on TikTok. We want to thank Michelle Allen, longtime sponsor of the show. She's your go-to realtor in the area to buy, sell, rent real estate. And, of course, Mason's High Octane Martial Arts. It's been open since 93. I'll teach you to kick people in the face. It's a lot of fun. And then the Cellar Restaurant, a 1920s-themed Prohibition restaurant located here in Covington. And uh, I always like when you do that, Josh, because then you got my head. Yeah, your head just across. Float, floats across. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we'll see you at the Cellar. I'm there almost every other night. And then, of course, Josh will help you with your branding presence online at Masonite Digital Marketing. So thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time. Remember, we're live every Tuesday at 5 p.m., so keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice 
or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.